0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Flyers fans, welcome to episode 209 of the Press Zone Philadelphia right here on Rocket Sports Radio. We have a great show in store for you today. But first, let's take a second to hear from our sponsor. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets Instantly, when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? Hey, Flyers fans, welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Philadelphia, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Of course, this podcast is a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, you might have heard that promo code in the DraftKings spot that you heard. Uh, DraftKings, of course, is our sponsor, and promo code THPN is what you want to use if you're a new user. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. We're a proud affiliate. We're glad you're here. Uh, I am your host and the lead car. Respondent here at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined each and every week by not only our founder, but our editor-in-chief across all of our platforms, and he is Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? Good afternoon. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's um, Things are still flying too fast. It feels mm-hmm. like we were just here uh, a minute ago, but uh, we are back. Another week has gone by. Um, preseason game schedules are out already?
2: Already, uh huh.
1: That's no, we're not. Are we really ready for this? Of course, <laughs> we're always ready. It's funny. I'm already starting to see the uh, the hashtag. Is it October yet? Starting, starting to creep back. You always know that it's getting close to being the end of the summer when when people start getting impatient for hockey to start. So it's not going to take long.
2: And we used to put out a um, a, a countdown. countdown. That's yeah, that's
1: right. We did. Hmm. I don't even know how many days we are officially away. I saw, uh, well, Flyers fans, uh, the ECHL affiliate, the Reading Royals, um, they actually put out a tweet today that they are exactly 60 days away from their opener. So two months for the ECHL.
2: Well, I do know that we're exactly four days away from Flyers Development Camp opening on August 28th.
1: That is true. Um, and there still isn't any official word. This is total side note, but no official word yet on on the schedule or or whatnot. But I did notice that Sam Carciti from the Inquirer mentioned on Twitter today that it's looking more and more like it might not be open to the public because of the, uh, as he put it, the uptick in, in COVID cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Still no official word from the Flyers organization yet, but it's not looking great for the public getting to come to watch Development Camp this year, which is which is unfortunate. But of course, we'll keep you posted. Uh, we have a great show for you today. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, plenty of Flyers and Phantoms news. We've got contracts coming out your ears uh, that got signed in this past week, including one that's pretty important Um we also, of course, are going to uh, pay our respects to Jimmy Hayes and and send our condolences to Kevin Hayes and his family. Uh, and there's some uh, other prospect news for the, for the Flyers that we'll touch on briefly as well. And then in our second segment, when we go around the AHL, we are so pleased to be able to welcome Patrick Williams back to the show today. If you're a longtime listener, you know that Patrick has, has guested on this show a number of times. Well, today it's a little bit different. Today will be his first appearance as part of the Rocket Sports Media team and uh, will be the first of a new biweekly segment that he'll join Rick and I for uh, here at the on the press zone. And uh, we can't wait to tell you all about that, but you got to wait till the second segment to hear more on that. Um and uh, of course then we'll we'll talk a little bit about some other AHL news. Uh we'll let you know how you can be part of Rocket Sports if you are looking uh to expand your sports media uh, career or get it started. And um yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a packed show today. It's a great show. So let's start with the big important news. Uh final piece of the puzzle all tied up. Uh we are talking about one Travis Sandheim. Uh, and finally, 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 uh, he avoided arbitration and inked himself a pretty decent contract—a a two-year contract extension with an average annual value of four point six seven five million dollars. That's uh, that's a pretty good deal there for Travis Sanheim.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's right in line. Um, the the folks at Evolving Hockey have been pretty good at uh, predicting um, the, the, uh, the salaries and, and of course with Travis Sanheim, there was a number of different routes that, uh, the, the team and, and, uh, and Travis could, could go. And this was probably the most likely, uh, the two year deal taking mm-hmm. him to, uh, unrestricted free agency. They, they pegged it at, uh, I believe it was 43 million dollars um, over over two seasons so to come in at four six seven five that's uh, that's right in line and uh, um, you know a modest bump up from his uh, last contract at at 3.25 million
1: Absolutely, I think he's worth it. I think, uh, you know, it's they even mention in the press release, you know, since he made his NHL debut in the seventeen eighteen season, his average ice time per game has increased every single season, uh, including both of his last two seasons, which uh, he was averaging. More than twenty minutes of time on ice per game. Um, he's had uh he had fifteen points uh this past season, appeared in all but one game this last season. He's a he's a consistent and reliable defenseman. Uh, you know, he's now without that that his his pairing of of Philippe myers who was traded away so it'll he'll there'll be a bit of a different look for him this year but uh, there's certainly plenty of upside for the former first round pick uh, and we'll see uh, what this year brings for him but
2: and I, I know there was a little bit of grumbling. Um, Sanheim didn't have the best season, but but no one did on the no back end <laughs> last year. And no. uh, you know it can't be laid at his feet. He's a very valuable piece, a very valuable defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, and this contract is is team friendly. It gives uh, the, the Flyers a lot of options. Um, I th- I think that uh, that both sides uh, should and and fans should be happy with uh, with. Travis getting locked up for the next two years.
1: I think so. And uh, it was great that they avoided arbitration. It kind of came down a bit to the wire. He was going to be the last hearing on the schedule, uh, but but they did get it done. So congratulations, Travis Sanheim, here to stay for another two seasons. Um, another name that was still hanging out there was Connor Bunneman, uh, and the Flyers did re-sign the forward to a two-year deal as well. Interestingly for Bunneman, um, it's a two-year deal. The first year, it's a two-way contract. The second year, it changes to a one-way contract, uh, average annual value of 750000 um, he played in 18 games for the Flyers last season, uh, also had some time on the taxi squad, also had some time with the Phantoms. Uh, Rick, I think Bunneman has shown progression over the last two seasons, uh, and I think that this is the Flyers indicating that they believe that he still has room to move upward. For
2: sure. He's a very versatile player. Um, you know, I've I've liked him since he was... Uh, with the Kitchener Rangers um, Mm -hmm. uh, for his OHL, uh, uh, ended up captaining the the team. Um, He's got good size. um, He's got a bit of skill. He can, um, you can put him in, in almost any situation and play him up and down the lineup. Um, he's a smart player and, uh, and, and I think that, uh, he'll have an opportunity to grow here in this next season.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, he has spent a lot of time with the Phantoms. He's played 106 games with the Phantoms in the AHL, uh, has 26 goals and 17 assists at the AHL level. Um, but I think that he's, he's got a lot of room to grow into an NHL, uh, player and obviously putting Changing the contract on the back end to a one-way deal in the second year, again, it's indicating that the Flyers uh, have confidence that he's going to, to grow into something that's a pretty pretty reliable piece for them at the NHL level. Uh, speaking of contracts, the Phantoms had some good news as well. Uh, Garrett Wilson re-signed uh, coming back to the Phantoms uh, on an AHL contract. He was one of the alternate captains uh, last year, and we know that Cal O'Reilly, Captain Cal O'Reilly uh, did re-sign as well. So the captain will be back as well as Garrett Wilson. A couple pe- great pieces of the the leadership core there Um and uh, he was he was pretty popular. He did a great job uh, in, in leading the younger players who were on the team. Uh, and, and Rick, I think this is a, a key piece in, in bringing this veteran back to the lineup. Uh,
2: yeah. And, and he's uh, he's a guy with size. He plays with an edge at time. But, um, you know, he served as as a mentor for uh, the prospects, Zade Wilson, Tyson Forrester. Tons of AHL experience with over 400 games. Um, A real nice uh, veteran um, who can provide leadership. A real nice piece to have.
1: Absolutely. Um, We do want to, before we move too far away from the NHL uh, team for the Flyers, just want to, of course, offer our sincerest condolences to um, Kevin Hayes and his entire family, and that also includes Ryan Fitzgerald for the Phantoms, uh, who is is a cousin. Uh, of course, uh, Kevin Hayes' brother Jimmy Hayes uh, unexpectedly passed away this week at the age of 31. Uh, you can see it's just rocked the entire hockey world, uh, outpouring of, of grief and memories and positive uh, thoughts and, and messages uh, to the Hayes family. Um, it's it's been a rough summer and year for uh, deaths in the hockey community, uh, and uh, this is this is just the latest one. But but Rick, we we certainly send our our condolences to the entire Hayes family and their extended family.
2: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. It's it a very tragic, um, a, a, just a shocking situation. I think most yeah. people were were just shocked. Um, you know, he has a young family. He had. They were, had just celebrated, uh, the, the second birthday, um, of one of their children. And it, it just, um, uh, it, yeah, it, it's, uh, tragic for the hockey community. And, and you think of, of that situation, you think of the, the teenage boys, uh, in Surrey, BC, mm-hmm. it was, um, it was just an awful weekend.
1: Absolutely. It was, uh, so thoughts and thoughts and condolences to the Hayes family. um. One other piece of the Phantoms puzzle, uh, Pascal LaBerge was was a UFA at the end of the summer. Um, He was one that was not signed. He finally has found a landing spot. um, And... It's pretty safe to say that it's because he played for the Phantoms that uh, he he uh, also found this landing spot. Uh, we all know that Danny Briere heads up the Maine Mariners of the ECHL, and that is where Pascal LaBerge has signed a contract for this coming season. So Danny obviously liked what he saw in in Pascal's uh, work and and abilities with the Phantoms, and uh, Pascal LaBerge finding himself a home with the Maine Mariners in the ECHL this coming season. Which, of course, as a reminder, is now part of the Bruins organization. Um, and last but not least, um, Noah Cates, uh, the UMD Bulldogs, they announced their captains uh, for for this year, and Noah Cates will be returning for the second year wearing the C. Uh, Rick, it's a it's a good indication that this young man is not only. Uh, doing as well as he is in the NCAA on a competitive team like the UMD Bulldogs, uh, but but has uh returned wearing the C once again, uh continuing his his leadership experience.
2: Uh UMD a powerhouse in NCAA hockey and and always has been. Uh Noah Cates at uh 2017 fifth round pick uh will be returning to UMD for his uh, fourth year, um, and uh, as you said, uh, keeps the the sea on on his chest, and uh, building great leadership qualities in a in a marvelous program.
1: Absolutely. Well, we are going to take a quick break right now. On the other side, we are going to welcome Patrick Williams to the show as an official member of the Rocket Sports Media team and introduce you to a new bi-weekly segment that Patrick will be joining us for here on the Press Zone, uh, where we will deep dive on a relevant, sometimes controversial AHL topic and kind of do a bit of a a roundtable or hot stove kind of segment. So we've got all of that and some more coming up right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and All American Hockey League news. passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. We're so glad that you are back with us. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter. You'll want to follow us in in a couple of places, either at the AHL Report. That's the, the hub of all of our information here at the AHL Report, whether it's podcasts video segments game recaps ahl news uh, feature articles you name it that's the best place to go uh, on twitter is at the ahl report but you can also follow this podcast at the press zone that way you'll always know when there's a new uh, episode out and uh, from there we also share with you uh other podcasts within the hockey podcast network, and some of uh, many of those you might be interested in as well. So, uh, be sure you're following at the Press Zone. It's a it's a great uh, source for all of your podcast needs, I should say. Well, joining us now is Patrick Williams, and uh, you know if you're a longtime listener to the Press Zone, of course, uh, Patrick needs no lengthy introduction he's a frequent guest here on the show rick and i have always enjoyed uh every conversation when he's been a guest but it's it's our pleasure to be able to welcome you this week patrick uh for your first segment as part of the rocket sports media team
0: thank you um (laughs) very excited to be joining the team um i know it's something we've worked on for quite a while and uh yeah it's major uh major, majorly happy to, to be here.
2: Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you. And um, it seems like such a natural fit because every time we've gotten together, um, the conversations for me have been stimulating. They've been thought provoking. And uh, we just thought that uh, why don't we get together and figure out a way that we could work together to, to do this on, an, on, a, on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely. And that was that was my thought as well. And uh, you know, it's something like and I've said this before, but like at this stage in my career especially, I want to you want to work with people that, you know, are, are talented, motivated, um, passionate about what they do and um where, you know, you're not trying to drag people into the fight. You're already <laughs> there, you know, and um that's just a big that's a big um selling point for me uh with, with both Rick and Amy uh both of you that's uh um that I don't have to worry about that like I know I'm gonna be working with talented people um you know who bring so much to the table and I just I mean for me it was it's one of those things like uh, I'm indecisive in the best of times and yet this was such an
1: easy choice <laughs> for me like I
0: didn't even have to like give it a second thought you know like so that was the part for me that I like, I knew if someone like me as an in, indecisive as I can be, if I feel good about this choice, then I was like, yeah, this is the right one.
1: Well, it's, uh, I have to say that, uh, we can, we can say confidently that we are equally excited. You know, you're, you're such a wealth of knowledge, uh, with such a, a storied career covering hockey and the AHL. Um, and well, in fact, uh, when I was guest hosting Canadians Connection on Saturday, um, Rick had on the agenda to talk about the fact that we are welcoming AHL Guru. Patrick Williams to the team, and we thought that might be just your official title with with the team. It's just Patrick Williams, AHL guru. So, uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, you know, we 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 have long respected your work. Uh, you do very quality work. You you are professional. You are intelligent. You have uh, great insight, and 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 you go to bat for this league like like few others do. um And so we're very excited to to have you on board. Um, for, for listeners, uh, you'll get to enjoy Patrick's work in, in two different ways. Uh, in fact, this week on the AHL Report website, AHLReport.com, we'll have a, a nice introductory uh, article welcoming Patrick where you'll get to know him a little bit, a little bit about his background in hockey and, and in media and and what he's going to be uh, offering as far as contributions. But you'll find Patrick now every other week We'll uh, here on the Press Zone. We're going to do kind of an AHL hot stove segment the three of us, where we'll tackle a, a hot topic around the AHL each week and do kind of a deep dive opinion and analysis of, of it. And then on the alternating weeks, uh, you'll find a, a feature article from Patrick on AHLReport.com where he gets to deep dive on topics that are near and dear to your heart um, around the American Hockey League. So welcome. We're, we're really excited to see, to see what, uh, what's, what's going to come this year.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, I think that's um, first and foremost what I want to say is, um, you know, when this, uh, when kind of the pieces started to come together a little bit, you could sort of envision this, um, you know, it was something I really wanted to make, make it happen. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. um, Because, like I said, I've admired your, both of your work um, from afar, you know, and to now be able to, to work directly is I think just a fantastic opportunity, and I think um, hopefully I can bring a little bit of something to the table.
2: Well, we saw our teams excited. Uh, We (laughs) saw that when you were welcome, and we saw the the hockey community uh, really took notice when we made the announcement last week. Uh, There's uh, both a lot of excitement, a lot of expectations of of the kind of work that we're going to be able to do collaboratively.
0: Well, I think I mean I think that's the thing. Like AHL fans are, for my money, very much the most neglected uh, fan base from a media standpoint, really anywhere. Um, you know, it's I still say this league is the second best league in the world, and uh, <laughs> that's a position I hold very firmly. Uh, but I don't know that AHL fans are always served as if mm-hmm. it's the second best league in the world. Uh, you know. The media cutbacks in the last 10, 15 years uh, have hit a lot of markets really hard and um, you don't see um, a lot of day-to-day newspaper coverage anymore like you used to. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. when I started out, uh, most most teams had a full-time beat writer with their local paper and uh, you, know, you, you really had that. Now you don't uh, other than a handful of markets. Uh, so I think some ways where there's that absence that also creates opportunity um, for other people to kind of break in and uh, and provide that that coverage and fill some of that gap and uh, you know there there's a lot of good solid independent media out there and um, but I think what's important for AHL fans is that uh, you get coverage from an AHL perspective from their teams perspective and. I know traditionally in my career, a lot of my coverage has always had to kind of been through the lens of the NHL perspective. And what does this mean for the NHL team or for, you know, NHL fans? But, you know, there's a whole fan base down here, 31, soon to be 32 markets, uh, a lot of big markets, but also a lot of small traditional markets as well, uh, where their fans, uh, they care every bit uh, as much about their team in their market as NHL an NHL fan does for their team. So um, I think it's really important that that, um, that vacuum be filled and that gap uh, that has existed for a while now uh, start to be um, you know, narrowed a little bit because, I mean, this is a fantastic league. Um, First-round picks, uh, all up-and-down lineups uh, across the league, but also a lot of great veteran stories. Um, and, you know, I think it's a league where uh, you s- it's sort of – you see a lot of the the experimental side of the game, both in terms of coaching but also in terms of some of the rules and, uh, you know, the approaches that, that teams take. So, I mean, I think uh, it's a fun league to cover. It's always There's always something happening. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, every year you turn over maybe half, half the league in terms of players at a minimum. You, you get teams coming in. I mean, uh, some teams going, unfortunately. But, I mean, there's always, I mean, there's always something going on in this league. It's never boring, and that's that's for sure. And it's never predictable. I mean, you know, I, I, I stopped doing predictions uh, before the season a couple <laughs> years ago. Because it's just a fool's errand uh, because, really, you know, you look at the rosters in September and you try to, you know, even you make the best guess you can make. I mean, what they may look like over the course of the next six, seven months, it's, it's almost impossible. And, I mean... Yeah, like the, the the playoff format, the same thing now, especially with it expanding. I mean, I think uh, it's just um, yeah, it's just a case where you know, it's a fun league to cover, um, and there's uh, you know you want to bring some of that I think to the fans who are passionate about their teams and passionate
1: about this league. Absolutely. And we are going to dive in uh, today with our first uh, roundtable topic, uh, which is which is pretty timely as as we're really rapidly inching closer to the start of the season. There's there's this bit of business that's kind of hanging over the heads of of teams and fans and so forth, and we know that it was it was a very different type of season last year because of the pandemic. And, and there were a lot of things that looked different around the hockey world globally in all sorts of leagues. But in the AHL, the one thing that really changed was the fact that because uh, the CHL, um, at least for a time, was shut down, the OHL never did get uh, restarted again. There were players who were permitted to come and play for their their team's AHL affiliate, even though they technically weren't eligible to do so. Um, And some of them really found a good footing uh, in the AHL and, and surprised some teams and some managers and some fans with how quickly they adapted to the pro game being as young as they were. And so now uh, you know, the question was always last last year. And I think we might've even talked about that on one of your appearances on, on the press on last season was, you know, could this be the impetus to make some changes and July 22nd, Darren Dreger kind of started uh, started a, a bit of a snowball when he tweeted CHL sources say final details are being worked out with the NHL that will allow junior eligible players who played 20 or more AHL games last season to return to the AHL next season rather than back to their major junior club. It's a bit more complicated, but that's the gist of it. And so, Patrick, that's really what we're here, the three of us are here to talk about today is the pending uh, potential amendments to the chl nhl agreement to potentially make this uh, uh happen this year that if you were a junior eligible player last year but you played in the ahl for at least 20 games that it's po- it's very possible that you might have the option to return to the ahl this year instead of going back to your junior club um i guess to start off just what are your initial thoughts overall general thoughts about that possibility?
0: Well, I think it's it's going to happen. Uh, I have had, haven't gotten any indication in that past month or so that um, it's, it's moving off of that. Um, and uh, it would affect, uh, I think, at last count, roughly 11 players who fit that category of having played 20 games. So essentially, it would be players that who were in that 18 year old category last year will now be 19 um, would fit into that. And so last year's 19 year olds will now be 20 and they'd be eligible to play regardless. But so it's, it's a fairly small group, but you know, it's interesting because this issue has kind of been kicking around for a few years now, uh, especially um, you know, we saw that with, with Philip Heedle a couple years ago in Hartford, uh, then Philip Zedina in Grand Rapids. Uh, so real high-end, high, top, top prospects who came in at 18 years old. Um, and lo and behold, uh, the sky did not fall. Now, um, And that was always a concern. How is an 18-year-old going to, going to handle things both on the ice and even more so off the ice? Uh, early indications were that they seemed to handle it pretty well and now but now last year we got a really broad experiment you had all sorts of players coming in 18 and 19 years old players who would otherwise be in junior not only did they handle it in some cases i mean they dominated Uh, you think of like Connor mcmichael and hershey for example um seth jarvis uh who was in chicago i mean has to be the first player in hockey history who's sent down while leading the league in scoring. I mean, (laughs) it was just a remarkable thing. Now he fell into that WHL situation where when they resumed or when they began play, he had to be reassigned uh, back to the Portland Winterhawks, but it was a very strange um, dynamic, obviously. I mean, to have a player in that situation, but uh, I mean, for the most part, uh, not just even the high end prospects, I think of a, like does Isaac Phillips in Rockford, he was a rookie defenseman coming in, the fifth round pick and really impressed. I mean not only um, was he able to kind of fit in, I mean at times, I mean, really looked like he belonged and even maybe he was a top two, top four pairing type player. So um yeah, I mean the the sky didn't fall and I think that was that was the real um Turning point in this whole debate that has been going on for a few years that, you know, it was always theoretical for the most part. And now that past season, you know, like anything else, out of, uh, you know, problems sometimes do come opportunities. And that was a real perfect example of it, uh, where um, because of the circumstances, um, we kind of had this experiment um, uh, forced almost, and, uh, as it turns out, it went pretty well. Uh, so I think that's what really started to take it from kind of a theoretical debate to something more, um, uh, practical in real life, uh, for a lot of NHL general managers.
2: So the, um, I mean, the, the NHL-CHL agreement has been a point of tension for, mm. f- for some time. And, and, um, where it sits right now. And, and maybe we should make that clear is that players in order to be eligible to play in the AHL, they either have to be 20 years old or have played four years of junior, um, in the CHL. Um, and, and this, uh, uh, and, and we should say that, that this agreement, uh, was, was due to be negotiated. It got extended a year because of the pandemic and things are going to be up for negotiation again. Um, but it you know to to be changed uh, yeah there's there's um there's certainly players who would um benefit from being uh, you know at at eighteen at nineteen to be able to benefit from playing in the um in the a h l that um, you know particularly nineteen year olds um mm-hmm. when when they're in junior and they're they're you know too good for junior, let's say, and they go back. They may develop uh, poor habits. They may um, they may not be challenged enough, and so this would give those kinds of players uh, a real opportunity. And you, you said the you know the the teenagers um, from the the CHL that performed in the AHL last season were remarkable. Seth Jarvis particularly, and what would he have done had he not had to go back to Portland, um, you know. Trevor Zeger, Jamie Drysdale's a uh-huh. fascinating case uh, because um, you know when when you talk about the 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 rule, the this this that that Darren Dreger um, um, talked about twenty games having been played in the in the AHL, Jamie Drysdale doesn't qualify, and mm-hmm. that's because it, it wasn't that he was. Uh, not performing in the AHL. He was so good in the AHL he got promoted to to the NHL. Yeah. Um,
1: and didn't and, play enough games in the AHL.
2: And didn't play enough games in the AHL, but played 20 24 games in the in the NHL. So um you know you mentioned Connor McMichael and and uh Peyton Krebs would be uh-huh. Quentin Byfield um Trevor zegris all these all these guys um with with and it's not just the kind of guys who are first-round picks, because uh, you have Zade Wisdom uh, from, from Philadelphia, a fourth-round pick. Um, Jan Mishak from that played in, in Laval, uh, more than 20 games, uh, a second-round pick. Um, so all of these, these, all of these guys had quite a, an impact and, and didn't look out of place at all when they got their opportunity in the AHL not at all
0: i mean and i think um, there's a few things that come in into play there um increasingly i hear coaches say now that kind of the go-to quote is we have to coach the junior out of the player and you know essentially it's it's what you're saying it's players come in sometimes after having maybe a year or two in junior uh, their final two years of junior and it develops some habits that uh, aren't very conducive to being a full-time nhl player eventually uh And that's where the AHL comes into play. They have to kind of coach those bad habits out. And and I talked to Spencer Carberry, the former head coach of the Hershey Bears, and I I kind of picked him specifically because he had very recent uh, OHL experience as a coach. And he made a really good point that um, as an OHL coach, for example, um, a lot of your effort doesn't go towards your top players. Um, It's more going toward your 16- or 17-year-old players who – they take up most of your time and your attention. And as a result, you know, it's kind of not what you would think, but your best players don't get much attention uh, at the OHL level or really anywhere in the CHL. So um, you rely on them heavily to win games at that level, but uh, they're kind of just getting by on talent and uh, aren't necessarily learning that uh, NHL-style two-way game that any player is going to have to Uh, need in order to eventually stick in the NHL. So, um, you know, he made a really good point that just, you know, uh, sure. And we all understand the the needs and the concerns of or CHL teams, um, what they need in terms of selling tickets and having marquee names. I would point out, um, I don't think they would get too much sympathy from a lot of AHL owners, though, uh, who routinely see your best players um, caught up. Even in the playoffs, I mean, you know, you can be the, the day of a playoff game and guess what? The NHL team calls and says, we need your uh, your, your number one goalie uh, to come up and, uh, um, you know, help us out in practice. Uh, well, guess what? <laughs> you lose your number one goalie uh, and that's life, uh, you know, kind of on the food chain. So, um, sure, CHL teams, they have their considerations, but uh, joining the club, I think, is kind of uh, the sentiment at this level. And kind of one of the ironies of this whole NHL-CHL debate is the AHL is heavily impacted and yet the AHL doesn't really have a say in it either. So, um, you know, as usual, it's kind of the AHL's that that middle brother, uh, middle child (laughs) syndrome where, you know, it's kind of everybody else is deciding for it and um, AHL kind of has to – Take what's handed to it and uh, make it work. I mean, I think that's in some ways what makes the lead strong because it is the lead where um, there is a lot of uh, improvising and, and figuring things out and, and developing uh, new ideas, new new uh, ways to do things. Um, you know, kind of the was invention is the uh, or necessities the mother of other yeah you know kind of that that dynamic so yeah it's an interesting situation for the ahl because um in some ways it's impacted every every bit as much as the nhl and the chl and yet really isn't getting much say if any in this discussion
1: well and you and and you you did touch on a on a point too that you know of course everything in moderation so of course as soon as as soon as this prospect kind of started to come up as a real thing. Uh, you you started to hear, you know, the devil's advocate, the other side of, of it. Well, you know, what if this turns into um, the CHL doesn't, You know all of all of the top players who normally would have ended up in the CHL. What if they all end up skipping junior altogether and going to the AHL? What does that do for struggling CHL clubs? Uh, You know, is it what about the development aspect? Um, Even I know um, there has been Rick. You had mentioned to me a a few weeks ago that there's been talk about uh, rumblings that the Canadians will. direct Jan Mieschak to, to not follow this directive and to go back to his, his CHL to his junior hockey team to develop further there. So there, there starts to become all of these intricacies of what's best for the development of the player. What's best for uh, the CHL teams. What's best for the AHL teams. Um, You know, there's Rick, even I believe you had mentioned something, too, about, you know, do you does this start displacing AHL veteran roles to a to a very small degree? Um, I guess my question for both of you and whoever, whichever of you wants to kind of tackle this first is, is how do you find the balance to make sure that it doesn't become something that snowballs into into something bigger than it really should be?
2: Well, uh I'll, I'll start. I, I would just um yeah, I'd look at it kind of unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Um and um I think that you know, you may, it's it's a very complex um integrated kind of intertwined kind of process. Um and 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 so, rather than you know opening the the doors wide, uh, it's going to all of these these um, ramifications are going to have to be thought of. Um, your point about Jan Michak in particular, yes, he qualifies. But like every team, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are going to have to say, is this is this best for our prospect? Um, is it is it best for him to be playing? You know, ten minutes at the AHL level versus uh, playing in every situation and, and eighteen minutes uh, at the OHL level in Hamilton. Uh, that and and if we had ice time uh, for the AHL level, that would really help us. That's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, with with Jan Michak, it's fascinating because there's so many different parts of this. Um, you have you have the whole uh, uh, restriction as far as CHL teams go with respect to imports. And Jan Mishak is one of the imports for Hamilton. Uh, Artem Grishnikov is the other. Um, so would Hamilton have participated in the the import draft if they knew they were going to lose Jan Mishak for the season? Uh, they didn't, and now are they going to have a case to make? And it just... To make it even more complicated, the owner of the Hamilton Bulldogs is Michael Andohar, who has a huge, who's a huge shareholder in the Montreal Canadiens. Are the Montreal Canadiens (laughs) going to want to upset Michael Andohar by taking their, uh, you know, and, and we heard uh, Marty LaPointe say that it was unlikely that, that Meshach would, um, would be in Laval this season, that they see him better off. But, but for what reason, I guess is, is the thing. Um, but just in general, taking it away from from the the Canadians, um, yes, yes, that uh, the AHL has to suffer with losing uh, some of their top players. Uh, I think the CHL is a little more delicate situation because their revenue stream they they count on uh, those fans in the building. They count on um, uh, you know fans being able to watch. A 16-year-old come in and then perform in his prime as an 18-year-old, uh, and the, the NHL has a real vested interest to make sure that the CHL is healthy, because the CHL is the biggest provider of talent to the NHL. So they they have a vested interest. Now, you know maybe there's an offset, maybe there's a financial payment made uh, to help uh, with with the the with talent leaving. Um, the other aspect of that is that you have um, y- you have talent maturing differently. Forwards mature and and develop much quicker than defensemen. Defensemen develop more quickly than goaltenders. So how are you going to impact the um, the the CHL if you're primarily taking some of that high end offensive forward talent out of the league? And um, you know, folks like in the Canadians' uh, uh, case, you have a Caden um, Gouli not being, not facing and not developing, um, and and then maybe you end up with a lower scoring league. Maybe you don't uh, that that the goaltenders don't develop in the way that that you expect uh, because they haven't had to face uh, that high. High-end offensive talent; those are all kind of.
1: This sounds unin- complicated. Well, that's that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think it's
2: there's unintended complica- consequences that are possible here. So I think that's why this this is been such a difficult conversation in the past, and why it's taking so long for them to work up some sort of arrangement for the upcoming season.
0: And I'll second that, and I'll add that's. Um, it's one of those decisions. Once you make it, it's going to be hard to kind of put that horse back in the barn. Right. For sure. Yeah. So I mean, when you, if, and when you decide to finally do it, you really need to feel confident that it, it's, it's the right decision. And, uh, and I think one of the other things is, and I'm not sure anybody's asking for the opinions of players, but uh,
1: <laughs> they should a little bit, should.
0: but think about if you're a player, right? Like, you know, um, if I'm a player, I'm 18, 19 years old, do I want to be uh, in junior and I make my, my junior stipend or would I like to be in <laughs> well, the NHL, yeah. you know, and maybe pulling down fifty five, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 and, um, you know, I mean, yeah. it's a real concern. I mean, sure. it's a real, I mean, it makes a difference, uh, you know, I mean, um You know, from living uh, with billets, maybe now you can live on your own and uh, have that whole sense of uh, financial independence. And so, um, yeah, for players, there's very much a vested interest there. I mean, I think um, you're that much closer to the NHL as well. Uh, You're not uh, off, you know, in a distant city. and, And conversely, for NHL teams, um you have the, your hands on the players now and you can work with them day in and day out and we're, we see uh, how many teams now are hiring um uh, development coaches uh, usually uh, former NHL players that can kind of work one on one and uh, really kind of hone in on some of the small details i mean that and that's just such a great learning opportunity for young players where as you know if they're off in Sudbury or Prince Albert or what have you um that player's more or less out of your hands unless you send somebody up there to work with him a little bit here and there. But um, to have that uh, day in and day out uh, opportunity, I think, is very tempting to a lot of teams. I mean, if I think certainly if you polled uh, coaching staffs and the uh, development staffs, uh, they'd be very much in favor of uh, bringing those players in at 18, 19 years old. Um, the NHL general managers... I think have a little bit more of a delicate balance, like you said, uh, looking out for the interests of the CHL while also looking out for their own team's interests. And Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a real fine line to walk. And um, I'm not sure there's really a one size fits all um, situation. Like players, some players will take to the AHL, like what, you know, like duck to water and it's it's pretty smooth transition. Other players, it's really rocky, and uh, you can sometimes see they're living in over their head. Um, uh, so you know you want to be careful with that as well. You know, confidence uh, for young players to be very, very tenuous, and uh, if you have a young player, and I am thinking especially young goalies mm-hmm. uh, who are not uh, not ready, and it becomes apparent pretty quickly. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, you don't put him in a position where he's going to fail. Um, but at the other, at the same time you you run the risk of, all right, well, we started you in the AHL. Now we're sending you back to junior. So it's a demotion of sorts. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that can affect player confidence as well. So, you know, it really is, um, almost a case by case basis. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you're trying to do it under this umbrella of an overall, uh, potentially very dramatic shift in policy
1: absolutely well and and kind of player morale was was going to be my point and 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 i think of jan mishak in particular knowing that he most likely will not play in the ahl this year you know what does that do is the player how how in-depth is the conversation that the organization has with the players so that they don't go back to their junior team this year thinking well did i really not play well enough in the AHL that they don't want me back there? Am I not good enough? Am I, is it something I did wrong? Um, so you've got the morale thing, but then even to to piggyback on what you said about, you know, referencing players and, oh, maybe they'd like that bigger paycheck. Maybe they'd like to experience some of that uh, independence and not be living with the Billet family. Well, then, then you know, you run into the, okay, well, then would organizations need to make sure that there's a system in place it's it's one thing when you have twenty year olds coming and going pro and living on their own in the pro hockey world for the first time, and they need mentors to kind of steer them in the right direction. It's a lot different with an eighteen year old, um, and and setting them out into the world as you know living on their own and that kind of thing. So. Um, there would need to be support systems in place and, and mentoring systems in place for that as well. Um, Otherwise that could go awry very quickly for, for young players who haven't been exposed to that kind of life before.
0: Um, That is, that is an excellent point. Uh, That is a big challenge. Um, That's where your veterans really, I think, really earn their paycheck. (laughs) Um, You really (laughs) want to have the right veteran. You want to have the veteran that uh, is maybe bringing that, young 18 year old, 19 year old kid over for, for, um, that supper and not somebody that's taking him out to the bars, you right. know, you know, and then, and I think,
1: or maybe I, instead of a billet family, they would require them to live with a veteran their first year or something like that.
0: That's yeah, that's certainly a one way to do it. Now, of course, you have to find a veteran that would want to do that. Uh, I think some would, some wouldn't, um, uh, You want to get the right veterans. I mean, and that's such a a huge thing. I mean, I think it's – veterans have come a long way, I I, I think, in my time, certainly, Um, from where they were. I mean, there used to be a fair amount of uh, bad influences, uh, and I think that's putting it nicely. And now, um, really almost nearly across the board, I I think your veterans now not only are not bad influences, they're the ones that are really – Leading the way and uh mm-hmm. they take that role seriously uh you know they're paid they're paid well for it for sure uh, <laughs> but they're almost sort of uh, unofficial uh coaches in a way and i've used the term big brother uh role uh whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it uh somebody that can um show these kids uh the ropes and not not even just on the ice but really off the ice i mean you know when you think back to when you were 18 i mean how ready were you um that world of you know being with people 30 35 years old i mean i know i wasn't i mean even even if you're a kid doing the right things it's it's just simply it's intimidating if Mm -hmm. nothing else and uh it's uh especially when you're a higher end prospect and you've had nothing but success now you come in and you're trying to find your way on the ice um and you're you're not having success uh, and then even if you are maybe you're not doing well off the ice you're you're homesick or you're just not used to making your own meals and um paying your bills and all that kind of stuff i mean just uh, it's a lot um, for anybody to take on at that age and never mind trying to also um you know uh set yourself up for eventual nhl work so it's uh there's a lot of factors to consider for sure, and um, it's one of those things, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, I think.
1: Well, I think I can speak for all of us when I say, who who would have thought that something as that sounds as simple as, oh, just a modification to the CHL-NHL <laughs> agreement uh, could really... When you really take a put it under the microscope and and look at all of you know the ripple effect that 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 just this one aspect of the agreement could really have on players on leagues on teams on development all of it um, it's really a complex issue um, and as you say I, and, and you're right Patrick and Rick I I think you know there's a lot of factors consider. To consider, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all answer, um, and I certainly think um, that that they're going to need to take things kind of case by case. And and Rick, like you say, that's probably why the negotiation is taking this long to be announced because there's a lot of a lot of moving parts that they have to cover all of their bases. Uh, and as Patrick said, once you make the decision, there's no putting that horse back in the barn. So um, we will certainly. Probably have more to say on this when we learn a little bit more. <laughs> um, but I think that was a it, it's it's a it's a great way to kick off this segment. Um, lots of different ideas, lots of different uh, opinions, um, but really well done. So I think that's very fun segment we're gonna have these every other week here on the press zone uh patrick will join us and we'll have a new topic to to deep dive on we want to hear from our listeners too Uh, you know what are your thoughts on this are you on the on the ahl side of things yeah bring them in let's let's get them on the pro league are you on more of the no let's protect my local chl team uh be sure to leave us a comment or uh, tweet us at the ahl report or at the press zone um and let us know what you think about it. And uh, you can also find Patrick, I should say, on Twitter at PWilliamsAHL. Uh, and Patrick, just welcome once again. Thank you for a first excellent segment uh, today. It was, a, it was a very fun conversation.
0: Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to doing a lot more of this.
1: Fantastic. Well, take care, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. I think I can officially say that our first segment with Patrick Williams here on the show, as part of the Rocket Sports team, uh, was a resounding success, and I uh, had a lot of fun. <laughs>
2: it's it's always a pleasure to talk to Patrick, uh, whether we see him in person, which is it's been a while, uh, but uh, especially when we talk to him on the phone about about any hockey topic, because we can really sink our teeth into. Uh, into it and and uh, and share thoughts and ideas and things that uh, we haven't thought of and and uh, it's always great to talk to him
1: it is so be on the lookout for this regularly this uh, Patrick will join us here on the show every other week and uh, each time he joins us we're going to deep dive onto another AHL topic that's timely that's something that's going on in the league or something that really affects fans or teams and players and development and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a great segment. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. We're very much looking forward to Patrick's contributions in the written form on AHLReport.com, report.com. Uh, and uh, we, we certainly hope that you'll enjoy his uh, work here at rocket sports as well. Um, one note uh, there's, it's, it's a little slow this time of year for general AHL news, but, one thing you know teams are are kind of shoring up some coaching things and and so on and so forth but there was one one piece uh, of the puzzle that happened this past week that I thought was significant and that's um that Pat Verbeek has been named the new GM of the Grand Rapids Griffins and they are the AHL affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings um and Rick I think this is a it's a it's a it's an interesting step for Pat Verbeek. Of course, he's he's also uh, in management for the Detroit Red, Wing, Red Wings with Steve Iserman, but he's really kind of taking on the role of of looking after the prospects. Uh, he's talked a little bit about incorporating analytics into it and, and really shoring up the Red Wings development process. Uh, and of course, for our uh, Habs fans who are who are listening to the show, uh, you'll recognize that name uh, due to uh, former Habs prospect Hayden Verbeek, uh, who also played um, with Laval as well. So uh, it's it's a it's a great next step, I think, for Pat Verbeek.
2: A great deal of experience, uh, a veteran of twenty years and fourteen hundred games in the NHL, and uh, it's a it's a great team that they have working um, in in management. Uh, with the Detroit Red Wings, and and uh, they'll have a lot of prospects coming up, and and uh, it's it's a building block that uh, that they've uh, solidified.
1: Now he will uh, reportedly remain the assistant GM of the Detroit Red Wings under Steve Iserman, but he's going to scale back some of his scouting duties so that he can focus on the day to day in Grand Rapids. He says, "quote I'm excited about the opportunity in a sense that it's a very important job for our organization right now." I I know it's going to be a huge challenge when you want to get your organization going in the right way. You have to develop players. So I'm taking this as a very important role in hope in helping the Detroit Red Wings get back to where we need to be in the playoffs and winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Rick, I think that's a refreshing attitude for someone looking to head up uh, their their organization's AHL franchise. And it's right on the money for what the AHL is really intended to be.
2: Absolutely, um, and and he replaces Ryan Martin, who had that responsibility in the organization. has gone to the the Rangers, another organization with a, a ton of prospects. Um, so th- these are these are teams who are are understanding uh, that development is key in in their return to to uh, uh, greatness in the NHL.
1: Absolutely, we will have uh, plenty more AHL news for you uh, as we creep closer to September and uh, training camps for the NHL and rookie camps start to happen, uh, and and folks kind of start to wake up out of their vacation mode and and finalize all of the the business that's that's there to be done. Uh, in fact, our our friend Patrick Williams, if you check his Twitter timeline at P Williams AHL, uh, he is keeping a running list of. AHL free agents that still have yet to sign a contract and might be surprised at some of the really significant names that are on that list. So check that out. Uh, as we get closer into September, some of those names will start to come off the board for sure. Um, and in fact, Rick, we should say, uh, you know, Patrick Williams has has joined us for this next season. Uh, and there might be some other listeners out there who are looking to get into sports media. And uh, we have just the place for them to go.
2: For sure, um, uh, join our team uh, if you want to contribute. If you feel you can contribute in, in some way, uh, whether you're an experienced hockey mind that uh, has thoughts to share and is looking for a platform, or whether you are a um, a student or young professional in the hockey media field um, we can give you the kind of experience exposure uh, and access to the, to uh, the contacts we contacts we have to be able to further your your uh, experience and your career
1: absolutely so uh, be sure to head to ahlreport.com and find the join our team link and you'll just go there fill out the fill out the form few brief questions and uh, we'll be able to be in touch with you to see how you might be a great fit for the ahl HL report and rocket sports media with that we are going to let i think everyone get back to enjoying their summer uh it was a great uh, first appearance officially for patrick on the show today lots of great news happening and of course next week we will be back with another great episode tons of hockey news to talk about uh we're As Rick said at the top of the show, we're getting close to the beginning of uh, the season, believe it or not. And before you know it, teams will be getting back together and back on the ice. So, uh, Rick, thanks so much for a great show today. Great to have you. And uh, Every week. Every week. (laughs) We're here every Tuesday here at the Press Zone. We thank you so much for listening all season long and even in the offseason. And uh, we'll see you back here again next Tuesday for another episode of the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of the Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.